0: What's up, y'all? Welcome to the show. My name is Emily. And I'm Paige. And today I'm doing a live reading of Chapter 25 of Midnight Sun. And I have no idea what's going to happen. And you're listening to Tuesdays are for Twilight. How's it going? What's new this week? What's up? What's cooking? Okay, I would say the biggest thing, guess
1: how many bug bites I have currently.
0: Seven. Less. yes really
1: yeah i i'm gonna show you one i want this is gonna be a live live reaction to emily seeing this bug bite i just want everyone to know i am allergic to mosquito bites so they swell pretty large
0: well i I didn't know that oh god that is a bad one
1: jesus don't itch it i thought my pants were over it so i was gonna pull them down No. yeah and then I think I have one on my face, too. I thought it was a pimple, but it's getting itchier. So I'm like, maybe it's a bug bite.
0: That is ridiculous. I know. We can't even live our lives. I, I'm i
1: barely coping with the pancreas not working thing.
0: <laughs> True. You know, I I hate to be this girl, but we do have it pretty good here in Colorado. The mosquitoes aren't bad. In Minnesota, they are literally the size of small birds.
1: I, I am very thankful that I live here. I I did some research because in my family, the four of us can go to a location and everyone in my family is fine, but then I'll get a million bug bites. So I did some research and you have certain people can be predisposed, I guess, to getting bug bites. So it's one, if you have typo blood, which I do. Two, if you're sweatier because the smell attracts them, which I am. Three. <laughs> If you run hotter, because the warmth of your body also attracts them, which I am. And I have a hypothesis that because I'm diabetic, my blood is sugarier. So it's just tastier in general. So I, I just get so many bug bites. So imagine if I stepped foot in like a swamp somewhere. I would be a corpse. I would be an active decay. It would be horrible.
0: Oh my god. You are just a snack to all species. Zing. (laughs) Yeah, in Minnesota, when we, it wasn't as bad, like, it was was always the worst when we first got there, because we would get there earlier than everyone else to do preseason for soccer, and that would be, like, the end of summer, so they would still be really bad. And it's not bad when you're, like, running, because I feel like they don't want to, like, do that much work to chase you. But when you're standing off to the side as like a sub or whatever, the worst. So we would literally stand there with with cans of bug spray in our hands and then like just spray around us every couple minutes because it was that bad. Mm-hmm.
1: I there were a couple towns that we would go to during high school during the softball season that were more farmy towns, and they just had more bugs just because the air was stenchy. <laughs> um <laughs> and I remember one particular game. We went to a town called Florence, which is very out there, farmy. And I had, because they like to bite you, especially if, I mean, you wear shorts in the soccer season, but for base or for softball, you wear long pants and long socks. And bugs will, especially mosquitoes, will go for the clothes because. They can get through the clothes and you don't feel it as much. So they get away with it easier. And I had like 18 bug bites on my legs from being there. It was horrible. And I put bug spray on and they still were like, "Mm, it was worth it.
0: That's terrible. What are we doing about mosquitoes? I'm sure they're part of the ecosystem. I don't want to hear about it. Do not DM me. I won't read it. (laughs) I'll read it. I'm just kidding. Speaking of, we have gotten a lot of nice messages. Shout out to Mia. She sent us an email with some book recs or just a book rec, but it's a series. Um, You know, Hannah's been hitting us with the memes as she does. Jem's been hitting us with memes, which have been hilarious. I mean, everybody's just on it. We love you all.
1: Hannah also sent book recs, too, and I am very, very excited because you described a lesbian vampire biker gang. I Every word was more titillating than the
0: last. I hate when you say titillating. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, shout out, Anne. No, I haven't read your papers. Girlfriend, I'm sorry. If anyone wants to know. I, here's the thing. I work a full-time job and I'm trying to get a new one. Don't tell anyone. All our listeners, don't tell anyone. And so uh, that process is like a part-time job in and of itself because it takes so fucking long to do four rounds of interviews for like five different jobs. (sighs) So I'm struggling. Okay. I'm struggling, but I swear to God, when all this blows over and I will read your papers, I'm not lying. I didn't forget in support of Emily's argument that
1: applying for jobs is its own job to keep everything in order i'm going to use this story as uh, evidence to back it up um one of my coworkers her boyfriend graduated a year earlier than her so while we were still in school he was applying for and looking for jobs and he applied to like probably like over 25 jobs and he is an engineering student. So it was a lot of jobs that he was qualified for too. So he was getting a lot of interviews too. And he was offered a job at a look at a business and he took it because it was what he wanted only to find out like several weeks later that it was not a job in Colorado. It was a job in California. He thought it was a company in Colorado. He, he thought it was one of the companies in Colorado that he applied for. And it ended up being in California and he suddenly had to move.
0: Did he um, like tell them that he didn't realize it was out of state?
1: No, I think he just he didn't want to seem unprofessional or like that he wasn't paying attention and he was he wanted the job he i mean he applied for it, knowing that it was in California, but he had applied for so many and what I think it was was that there were two companies with very similar names, and he thought it was the one that was in Colorado, but it actually ended up being the one in california and so when he took it, he was like, "Yeah, like I'd love to and then he was like, oh shit, now I have to move to California. Oh no, I wasn't like expecting that. So just know that it, there's a lot going on when you're applying for jobs. So much so that you might have to surprisingly move to another state.
0: <laughs> Dear God, I refuse to do that. Um, but I hope it
1: worked out for him. I hope he's thriving. Yeah. I mean, they're still dating. Um, they're doing the long-distance thing. I think he's... I mean, he's still at that job. He's killing it. I mean, I, I don't know if he's killing it. He's still at that job. He could be not killing it. I I don't know.
0: I choose to believe he's killing it.
1: I bet he is. I feel like engineers, they know what they're doing.
0: Correct. Should we do this damn thing? I'm ready. Y'all are gonna get sick of my voice. Okay. So We're gonna be stopping a few times throughout the chapter. I marked two places to stop so that... Page can react to it a little bit at a time, because this is a little bit longer than the other live reading that I did, which is only, like, five pages or something. All right, get comfy. (laughs) It's just, like, laid back. It was very funny. Okay, chapter 25, race. Even when the plane's wheels touched the tarmac, my impatience refused to ebb. I reminded myself that Bella was surely less than a mile distant now, and it wouldn't be many minutes more before I could see her face again, but that only made the urge stronger to rip the emergency door off its hinges and sprint to the building, rather than wait through the interminable taxiing. Carlyle could feel my agitation in my absolute stillness, and he nudged my elbow lightly to remind me to move. Though our rose window shade was down, there was an excess of direct sunlight in the plane. My arms were folded so that my hands were hidden and I'd let the hood of my airport shop hoodie fall forward to keep my face in shadow. we probably looked ridiculous to the other passengers, especially Emmett, bulging out of a sweatshirt that was several sizes too small, or as though we thought we were some kind of celebrities hiding behind our hoods and dark glasses. More probably Northern bumpkins who had no frame of reference for spring temperatures in the Southwest. I caught one man thinking that we'd all remove the sweatshirts before we made it down the length of the jetway. The plane in the air had felt unbearably slow. This taxiing might kill me. Just a little more restraint, I promised myself. She'd be there at the end of this. I'd take her away from here and we'd hide together until we figured this out. The thought soothed me a tiny amount. In reality, it took very little time for the plane to find its assigned gate open and ready. There were a million possible delays that hadn't gotten in our way. I should have been grateful. We were even fortunate enough to end up at a gate on the north side of the airport tucked into the late morning shadow of the larger terminal. That would make it easier for us to move fast. Carlisle's fingers rested lightly on my elbow while the crew took its time going through checks. Outside the plane, I could hear the mechanical jetway maneuvering into place and the knock against the hull when that was achieved. The crew ignored the sound, the two forward cabin stewardess, stewards staring together at a passenger list. He nudged me again, and I pretended to breathe. Finally, the steward approached the door and worked to heave it out of the way. I desperately wanted to help him, but Carlisle's fingertips on my arm kept me focused. With a hiss, the door opened and warm outside air mixed with the stale cabin air. Stupidly, I I searched for some trace of Bella's scent, though I knew I was still too far. She'd be deep inside the air-conditioned terminal, past the security post, and her pathway there would follow a route from some distant parking garage. Patience. The seatbelt light turned off with a tinny ding then all three of us were moving. We eased around the humans and were at the door so quickly that the steward took a surprise step back. It moved him out of our way, and we took advantage of that. Carlisle tugged the back of my sweatshirt, and I reluctantly let him pass me. It would only make a few seconds difference if he set the pace, and certainly he would be more circumspect than I. No matter what the tracker did, we had to adhere to the rules. I'd memorized the layout of this terminal on the onboard pamphlet, and we'd been loosed into the branch closest to the exit. More good luck, of course, I couldn't hear Bella's mind, but I should be able to find Alice and Jasper. They'd be with the other families waiting to greet passengers just up ahead to the right. I'd started to edge ahead of Carlisle again, anxious to finally see Bella. Alice and Jasper's mind would stand minds would stand out from the humans like spotlights surrounded by campfires. I'd be able to hear them any the chaos and agony of Alice's mind hit me then like a sudden vortex erupting out of a calm sea, sucking me under. I staggered to a stop, paralyzed. I didn't hear what Carlyle said, barely felt his attempts to pull me forward. I was vaguely aware of his awareness of the human security officer eyeing us suspiciously. No, I've got your phone right here, Emmett was saying too loudly, providing an excuse. He grabbed me under one elbow and started to move me forward. I scrambled to find my footing while he half carried me, but I couldn't quite feel the floor under me. The bodies around me seemed translucent. All I could really see was Alice's memories. Bella, pale and withdrawn, twitching with nerves. Bella, desperate-eyed, walking with Jasper. A memory of a vision. Jasper rushing back to Alice, agitated. She didn't wait for him to come to her. She followed his scent to where he waited outside a woman's restroom, face clouded with concern. Alice following Bella's scent now, finding the second exit, darting at a speed that was a little too conspicuous. The hallways full of people, the crowded elevator, the sliding doors to the outside. A curb teeming with taxis and shuttles the end of the trail, Bella had vanished. Emmett propelled me into the giant atrium-like space where Alice and Jasper waited tensely in the shadow of a massive pillar. The sun slanted down at us through a glass ceiling and Emmett's hand on my neck forced me to bow my head to keep my face in shadow. Alice could see Bella a few seconds from now in a taxi speeding along a freeway through brilliant sunlight. Bella's eyes were closed. And in just a few minutes more, a mirrored room, fluorescent tubes bright overhead, Long pine boards across the floor. The tracker waiting. Then blood. So much blood. Why didn't you go after her? I hissed. This is in italics. I don't know how to put that in my voice. (laughs) The two of us weren't enough. She died. I had to force myself to keep moving through the pain that wanted to freeze me into place again. What's happened, Alice? I heard Carlisle ask. The five of us were already moving in an intimidating formation toward the garage where they'd parked. Thankfully, the glass ceiling had given way to simpler architecture, and we were out of danger from the sun. We moved faster than any of the human groups, even the late ones running past us for their connections, but I chafed at the speed. We were too slow. Why pretend now? Why did it matter? Stay with us, Edward, Alice cautioned. You're going to need us all. In her mind, blood. To answer Carlyle's question, she shoved a piece of paper into his hand. It was folded into thirds. Carlyle glanced at it and recoiled. I saw it all in his head. Bella's handwriting, an explanation, a hostage, an apology, a plea. He passed the note to me. I crumpled it in my hand, shoved it into my pocket. Her mother, I growled softly. I haven't seen her. She won't be in the room. He may have already. Alice didn't finish. She remembered Bella's mother's voice on the phone, the panic in it. Bella had gone to the other room to calm her mother, and then the vision had overtaken Alice. She hadn't put the timing together. She hadn't seen. Alice was spiraling in guilt. I hissed low and hard. There's not time for that, Alice. Carlyle was almost inaudibly muttering the pertinent information to Emmett, who had become impatient. I could hear his horror as he understood his sense of failure. It was nothing compared to mine. I could not let myself feel this now. Alice saw the tightest of windows. It was maybe impossible. It was absolutely impossible that we could catch up to Bella before her blood started flowing. Part of me knew what this this meant, that there would be a gap of time between the trackers finding her and her death, a wide gap. I couldn't allow myself to understand. I had to be fast enough. Do we know where we're going? Alice showed me a map in her head. I felt her relief that she'd gotten the most vital information in time. After the first vision, but before the call from Bella's mother, Bella had given her the crossroads near the place the tracker had chosen to wait. It was just under 20 miles, with freeway almost all the way. It would only take minutes. Bella didn't have that long. We were through the baggage claim area and into the elevator bay. Several groups with carts loaded with suitcases were waiting for the next set of doors to open. We moved in synchronization to the stairwell. It was empty. We flew upward and were in the garage in less than a second. Jasper started for where they'd left the car, but Alice caught his arm. Whatever car we take, the police are going to be searching for its owners. The brilliant freeway gleamed in her mind, blurring with speed. Blue and red lights spinning, a roadblock, some kind of accident. It wasn't totally clear yet. They all froze, not sure what this meant. There was no time. How are you feeling so far? It is as
1: tense as I thought it was going to be, as shocking to Edward as I thought it was going to be. I kind of forgot that the whole, like, that they find out at the airport like Bella goes to the airport with them I kind of forgot about that that she escapes that way and I mean that's when you that's when you get cut off from Alice and Jasper too because even though she's separated from Edward she still has some of the vampire friends there but then that's the point where she's by herself with danger so seeing like how guilty Alice feels and how frustrated Jasper is and like it's It's very upsetting for everyone there. Um, Rosalie and Esme are still in Forks, right? They didn't come? Okay, that makes sense. Um, I did want to say, though, this has been sticking in my brain since the very beginning when you said it. I cannot... Not imagine Emmett with the sweatshirt and the glasses like Damien from Mean Girls when the, all of the girls are in the gym and he's wearing the sweatshirt with the glasses and he goes, Shouldn't even go here. That's who I'm picturing walking through the airport with the Cullens. <laughs>
0: oh my God, that is so funny. I was not picturing Damien, but it's spot on. I was just picturing how hilarious Emmett probably looks, especially because the sweatshirt's too small and he's probably just like, boom, 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 you know? Yeah, yeah.
1: I also, like, I understand why they have to be kind of secretive in what they do. But I'm like, guys, come on. Of all places to be fucking weirdos and suspicious, do not do it in an airport. That's the worst place to do it. Everyone is on guard there.
0: Yes, it's like they said Bob. Like, the fact that Edward stops in the, like, weird tunnel that you have to walk through and he's just like, like, that would be so scary if you were a security person. Or
1: any of the other people there. I mean, like, he talks about how that that one guy clocks, like, maybe they're going to take their sweatshirts off when they, like, get out. I don't know. Like, clearly people are noticing them, that they look weird. They are standing out. So being even weirder is not helping you.
0: Yes. It's so funny that they're going to Phoenix and they're, like, in hoodies. Like, good luck.
1: Mm-hmm. That's the thing, though, about airplanes is that, Airplanes themselves are very cold, and you no. want to dress warm. But like sometimes, like I have family who live in Florida. When we fly to Florida, if I wear a sweatshirt
0: and sweatpants, we get there, I am drenched in sweat. Drenched. That's so funny. Um, I had two other thoughts for this little section. I am honestly kind of surprised that Edward didn't fight Alice and Jasper because I wouldn't put it past him. I mean, it's probably just because he doesn't have time, but.
1: Yeah, I think that maybe if if he had more time yes or if they I don't know I mean I feel like he's pretty close with all of his siblings but like he has an especially close connection with Alice so I feel like that kind of helped the case but I mean I like you said I wouldn't put it past him
0: yeah totally my other thought was surprised that like they are also buying the whole like Renee fake out thing. Like they can't like Alice can't see that he's just faking that. And like how mad are they gonna be when they realize that like Bella went for nothing as well.
1: Yeah, and I mean I I'm not saying that I have any kind of supernatural powers. I'm just a regular human. But the whole VHS thing where he got the sounds from the old tapes that that was a big huge surprise to me I was not expecting that at all I really thought that he had her mom the whole time so I mean maybe because they haven't really dealt with this kind of thing and I'm assuming quite a while um maybe they're just a little rusty with like detecting things like that
0: you know Right, yeah. And I think the fact that they none of them have met Renee probably helps too, because I feel like if they had, Alice would be able to like see her better. Yeah,
1: and also I, I think that this goes even for non-supernatural beings. When it comes to someone that you have such a close emotional and personal relationship with, I feel like sometimes ch- just simple logic and critical thinking like that kind of goes out the window and you just want to like act on impulse and get to the situation and fix the situation as fast as you can without really thinking out like, Oh, well, what's really going on here? Like, let me kind of reevaluate the situation. You're more like, Oh my gosh, we need to help this person who I love. Let's we just need to do something right now. You know? So I could, I can, I can see that too, because I feel like everyone there feels Relatively close, if not very close, with Bella.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Um, did you have anything else from this little section before I move on? No. Nope. All right, strap back in. Here we go. Right. I moved too fast down the line of cars while the others recovered and followed at a more ju- judicious pace. There weren't many people in the garage, none who could see me plainly. I heard Alice instructing Carlisle to retrieve his bag from the trunk of the Mercedes. Carlisle kept a medical kit in every car he drove in case of emergencies. I didn't let myself think about that. There wasn't time to find the perfect option. Most of the cars here were bulky SUVs or practical sedans, but there were a few options a little faster than the others. I was hesitating between a new Ford Mustang and a Nissan 350Z, hoping Alice would see which would serve better when the hint of an unexpected scent caught my attention. As soon as I smelled the nitrous, Alice saw what I was looking for. I darted to the far end of the garage, right up to the edge of the intruding sunlight, where someone had parked their souped-up WRX STI far away from the elevators in hopes that no one would park next to it and ding the paint. The paint job was hideous, violently orange bubbles the size of my head, rising from what appeared appeared to be deep purple lava. I'd never seen a car so conspicuous in a hundred years but it was obviously well-maintained, someone's baby. Nothing was stock, everything designed for racing, from the splitter to the huge aftermarket spoiler. The windows were tinted so dark I doubted they were illegal, even here in this land of sun. Alice's vision of the road ahead was much clearer now. She was already beside me, some other car's broken-off antenna in her hand. She'd flattened it between her fingers and shaped a small hook at the end. She popped the lock before Jasper, Emmett, and Carlyle black leather satchel in hand, caught up to us. Ducking into the driver's seat, I wrenched off the casing on the steering wheel column and twisted the ignition wires together. Next to the gear shift was a second stick, this one topped with two red buttons labeled Go Go One and Go Go Two. I appreciated the owner's commitment to upgrades, if not his sense of humor. I could only hope the nitrous canisters were full. The gas tank was at three quarters, plenty more than I needed. The others climbed into the car, Carlisle in the passenger seat, and the rest in the back, and the engine was thrumming eagerly as we reversed into the aisle. No one blocked my way. We tore down the length of the enormous garage toward the exit. I clicked on the heating button on the dash. It would take a moment for the nitrous to heat from gas to liquid. Alice, give me 30 seconds ahead. Yes. The descent was a tight corkscrew that spiraled down four floors. Midway, I ran up against the back of an Escalade on its way out, as Alice had seen I would. The way was so narrow, I had no option but to ride its tail and try to startle the other driver with one long hog. Alice saw that it wouldn't work, but I couldn't resist. We spun out of the last curve into a wide, sunlit pavement bay. Two of the six lanes were empty, and the Escalade headed for the closest. I was already to the last kiosk. A thin, red-and-white striped arm stretched across the lane. Before I could even really consider ramming through it, Alice was shouting at me in her head. If the police start chasing us now, we don't make it. My hands clenched the neon-orange steering wheel too hard. I forced my fingers to relax while I pulled up to the automated window. Carlyle grabbed the ticket, stuck behind the visor in an obvious way, and held it out to me. Alice snagged it. She could see I was as likely to put my fist through the card reader as I was to patiently... wait patiently for the machine to work. I drove another two feet forward so Jasper could roll down his window and pay with one of the no-name cards we used to stay anonymous. He pulled his dark sleeve to his fingertips. There was the barest glimmer as he reached out the window to shove the ticket into the slot. I concentrated on the striped arm. It was the checkered flag. As soon as it lifted, the race was on. The card reader made a whirring sound. Jasper punched a button. The arm popped up, and I hit the accelerator. I knew the road. Alice had seen the length of it and everything in our way. It was the middle of the day, and the traffic wasn't terrible. I could see the holes in the pattern. It took me 12 seconds to shift through the gears until I was in sixth. I didn't plan to shift down again. The first section of the freeway was mostly empty, but a merge loomed ahead. Not enough time to make full use of an NOS canister. I veered to the far left to get around the influx. I could say this for Arizona. The sun might be ridiculous, but the freeways were exceptional. Six wide, smooth lanes with shoulders ample enough on either side that it was as good as eight. I used the left shoulder now to streak by two pickups who thought they belonged in the fast lane. Everything was flat and sunblasted around the highway, wide open with no place to hide from the light, the sky an enormous pale blue dome that seemed almost white in the glaring heat. The whole valley was bared to the sun like food in a broiler. A few twig-like trees, scarcely clinging to life, were the only features breaking up the dull expanses of gravel. I couldn't see the beauty Bella saw here. I didn't have time to try. My speed was up to 120. I could probably get another 30 out of the STI, but I didn't want to push her too hard yet. There was no way to know if the engine had been tuned to stage 2 or 3. It would be touchy, unstable. I could only watch the oil pressure and temperature and listen carefully to how hard the engine was working. The huge arcing overpass that would carry us to the northbound freeway was approaching and it was only one lane with a very wide right shoulder. I skidded back across the six lanes to make the exit. A few cars swerved in surprise but they were all a distance behind me by the time they reacted. Alice saw that the shoulder was not quite wide enough. M, Jazz, I'm going to lose the side mirrors, I growled, give me a view. They both twisted in their seats to stare at the road to the left, right, and behind. The view in their minds gave me a much better range than the mirrors anyway. I flew alongside the slower traffic, unable to keep my speed over 100. I gritted my teeth and held tight to the wheel as I scraped by the wide van that was riding the right lane line. With a screech of metal, my left mirror ripped off against the van's side, and my right mirror exploded against the concrete barrier. Bella was running across a white-hot sidewalk, stumbling, or she would be soon. Just the road, Alice, I spit through my teeth. Sorry, I'm trying. Her panic bled through her thoughts. Bella was running into a parking lot, or would be soon. Stop! She closed her eyes and tried to see nothing but the pavement ahead. I knew these images had the power to render me useless. I forced them out of my mind. It wasn't as hard to do as I expected. Everything was the road. I could see it in 360 degrees and 30 seconds into the future. As I mer- merged onto the northbound freeway, drifting across the lanes to the left shoulder again, up to 130 now, it felt like our minds were bound together into one perfectly focused organism, greater than the sum of its parts. I saw the patterns in the traffic ahead, shifting and congealing, and I could see the right way through every snarl. We flew through the shade of two separate overpasses so quickly that the flash of darkness felt like strobing. 145. 15 seconds ahead of me, the perfect bubble of space opened. I swerved into the center lane and flipped the clear safety cover off the bright red Go Go One button. The timing was perfect. The exact instant I was clear, I punched the button, the NOS spray hit, and the car shot forward as if fired from a cannon. 155. 170. Bella was opening a glass door into a dark, empty room, or would be soon. Alice refocused, also surprised at the ease of doing so. Her thoughts flickered to Jasper and I understood. As a man of peace, Jasper struggled, but as a man of war, he was more than I'd ever imagined. We were all sharing his battle focus now, something he'd used to keep his newborns on track back in his war years. It worked perfectly in this vastly different situation, blending us into one hyperfunctional machine. I embraced it, letting my mind spearpoint our charge. The hit of nitrous was already waning, 150. I searched for the next opportunity. They're setting up the first roadblock, Alice noted. Neither of us was concerned. They were building it too close to intercept us. We'd be past it before they could pull it together. And the second. She showed me the spot on the map in her head, far enough ahead that it would be a problem, even with another window opening in just four seconds. I considered my options while Alice showed me the consequences. The time was too short. We had no choice but to switch cars. Abstracted, I flipped up the safety and depressed Go-Go 2. The STI kicked forward obediently. 170, 180. Alice showed me the specific vehicles available ahead and I sifted through our choices. The Corvette would be cramped and our combined weight would be more of a factor than it was with the street racer. I mentally drew a line through a few other vehicles. And then Alice saw it. A glossy black BMW S1000RR, top speed 190. Edward, it's impossible. The image of myself astride the sleek black motorcycle was so appealing that for a second I ignored her. Edward, you're going to need every one of us. Suddenly, her thoughts were full of mayhem and blood, human and in- inhuman screaming, the sound of shredding metal. Carla was at the center. His hands dyed glistening red. Jasper kept me from steering off the road. His grip on my emotions was so strong that in that second, it felt like, okay, sorry. Let me start that sentence over. His grip on my emotions was so strong in that second that it felt like a fist clenched tight around my throat. Together, we forced my mind back to the lanes in front of me. It was the shortest part of the journey we'd have left. The car didn't matter so much. Alice flipped through sedans, minivans, and SUVs. There it was, a brand-new Porsche Cayenne Turbo, too new for plates yet, top speed 186, already adorned with a stick figure family on the back window, two daughters and three dogs. A family would slow us. Alice used my decision to take this car and looked ahead into what that meant. Luckily, there was only the driver inside, a 30-something female with a dark brown ponytail. Alice couldn't see Bella on the sidewalk anymore. That part was passed now, as was the parking lot. Bella was inside with the tracker. I let Jasper keep me focused. We're changing cars under the next overpass, I warned them. Okay, pause.
1: Okay, one, this part clearly shows why this chapter is called Race. Mm-hmm. However, I'm going to offer an alternative title, Paige Has Anxiety.
0: <laughs> I know, it's so like.
1: I I don't even like driving regularly like driving gives me such anxiety because I don't trust anyone else besides myself and motherfuckers like Edward Cullen out here are the reason that my hair is turning white I just can't handle it my biggest thought though that I wanted to to put out there Stephanie Myers put so much time into researching and making sure that her car lingo and car names and everything that she needed needed to know about cars was correct. But can she be bothered to research baseball? No. Can she be bothered to put any people of color in her stories or any queer characters? No. But God forbid she doesn't talk about the nitrous correctly well, we can't have that.
0: Period. So true. Also, did you just call her Stephanie Myers on purpose or did you do it again? No,
1: I did it on purpose
0: because I was here to drag. Okay, good. That's like your, that's like your giveaway. Mm -hmm. I know. I felt so dumb reading it. Probably if any of our listeners know cars, they're probably like laughing because I probably said something wrong. Like the NOS, it's just like literally NOS all caps. And I'm like, is it NOS?
1: I think it's it's NOS, but I don't know. I really don't. At one point, when he was talking about the motorcycle, I was like, oh, that one gets to 195. That sounds like a good option. And then you said it was a motorcycle. And I was like, he didn't know. I thought it was a car.
0: I know. And then when they said the Porsche Turbo or whatever, I'm like, oh, so like a really fast race car. And they're like, it's a minivan. And I'm like, what? Uh, anything
1: that's just letters and numbers, I'm like, you said Nissan at one point, and I was like, I had a Nissan Rogue. (laughs) I know that.
0: Yeah, I have a Nissan currently. That's funny.
1: Uh, Say something else. I'm trying to remember what it was. You say your point while I think.
0: I was just gonna say, did you kind of understand what the nitrous was going was doing? Because I had to look that up. I didn't really understand it.
1: I don't know anything about that now. But I did, You that reminds me of what I was going to say. So you used to say your thing.
0: Okay, there, What I, when I looked it up, there was all this science shit that I didn't care about, about combustion and shit. But basically it's this like gas that can turn into liquid that basically goes into your engine somehow and makes it go really fast. So like street racers use it a lot, but you can't use it like all the time because it would like burn out your engine. So that's why this person has like, two little cans or whatever. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, that was actually my second point was at when you're when you were talking about the NAS turning on, you said the the car heated. Oh, it was when the car you had to he had to turn the heat on so that the the NOS would heat up from a gas to a liquid. And that is just so interesting to me because that's not how it's supposed post a work like scientifically like you add heat and energy and that usually turns liquid into a gas so for that to happen to turn it into a liquid there must be some crazy car science that I do not understand
0: yeah that's really true I hadn't even thought about that wow Um, I just want to say if I was in that escalator or whatever, trying to get out the fucking parking garage at the airport and some asshole was honking at me, I would throw hands. I'd be so
1: mad. I, I really have a bone to pick with people who decide to tailgate. It's like, what are you trying to achieve? You're making me want to drive slower, actually. Like, you're just making me upset and I, I don't want to, to deign to you. So you know what? I'm going to speed limit. Heck, you. <laughs>
0: um, you know, I see where you're coming from. My most toxic trait is that I am a tailgater, but I'm really trying to stop. It's only because I'm not like an asshole about it. Like I don't like swerve behind them. I just get t- I drive too close to cars, like habitually. Because I this sounds like an exaggeration, but it's not. I literally picture driving as Mario Kart. So, like, when I'm driving, I don't really care what's going on, like, a few cars ahead. That's not my business. I literally, especially when I'm, like, late or, like, you know, stressed out or whatever, the car in front of me is, like, my obstacle, and I have to figure out how to go around it. So (laughs) I end up tailgating, but I have gotten so much better at it because I have been shamed into it. I think here's the thing is, like, I think spiritually I was meant to be a New York taxi driver and I'm just not. So I'm expressing myself in this way instead.
1: That actually sounds like a really good job for you. Like I I could fully see you being a really good taxi driver because you're confident and aggressive.
0: <laughs> um I agree. And this is a total sidebar, but if you live in New York or major cities, you should take taxis instead of Ubers or Lyfts because especially in New York, the city like screwed over those taxi drivers, a lot of whom are immigrants or children of immigrants, and they like way overcharge them for the the medallion, which is like the thing that allows them to drive and they it, they basically got screwed over by the government. So all I'm saying is take taxis. That's all.
1: Wait, the government went out of their way to screw over people who are already at a disadvantage being immigrants or people of color or people who are continually disrespected by other institutions created in this country.
0: Wait, really? I know, isn't that insane? Can't believe it. (laughs) Another thing about this, okay, two things. He's right about those freeways in Arizona. The only place that's crazier that I have personally been is San Diego. Those are fucking insane. But in Arizona, it's just like, nobody gives a shit. Everybody's just going. It really is six lanes, like, everywhere. Um, Number two, I think another thing that makes this um, chapter really intense is that there's, like, next to no dialogue. And even the dialogue that is quote-unquote dialogue is just Alice thinking things. Like, no one is saying anything. You know what I mean?
1: I think I think it's also really crazy and adds to the suspense of it all. I mean, we as readers, and we've talked about this in, before, I would say almost everyone who is reading Midnight Sun has already read everything else. Like, I don't think Midnight Sun is going to be your first book. So everyone knows that Bella is getting creamed right now. She is getting beat the heck up. But I... I I think that this actually might be the point where he, where James is like doing that typical narcissistic villain thing where he's like explaining his whole plan and talking about how amazing he is and wanting to record everything for you see me. So I know that it's getting close to when Bella's getting creamed. And the fact that Alice is seeing all of this blood, horrible. What a horrible thing to see. Your loved one just bloodied up like that. But it hasn't happened yet. You just know that it is going to
0: happen. About to happen, yeah. Also the thing with Jasper is really interesting. I was going to talk a little, about it a little bit later too. Um but it's just really interesting how he's like basically mind controlling himself, Alice and Edward.
1: Mhm. He knows what he's doing.
0: He does.
1: I didn't like Not not that I didn't like. I mean, I don't get it. It just sounds very bizarre to me, the use of the word newborn. I don't really know what that means. I'm assuming it means like a new vampire or like a new supernatural, like someone new to, I'm assuming new to being a vampire, but I don't like the word newborn used on that. It's very creepy. Yeah,
0: yeah. I was hoping that you maybe just would gloss over that. Actually, when I was reading it to prepare for this, I was like, maybe I should cut this sentence out. But then I was like, nah, because she was reading it, she would know about it. So then when I read it just now, I was like, oh, New York, blah, blah, bah, blah. blah. <laughs> but you caught it, damn it.
1: <laughs> That's called a reading between the lines.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you don't know what it means still, so I'm cool with that. Mm. Also, we gotta just briefly mention these fucking mirrors. Okay. First of all, he knocks one of them off on another car, which would be horrible if you were that car. The other one, he shatters up against the fucking concrete median or whatever the fuck it is. Ridiculous.
1: Do you think, I don't know if this is talked about later, I'm going to guess no, do you think that the Cullens paid any reparations to these people? Like, he clearly says- That this car is clearly someone's baby. Someone's, like, pride and joy. And he is hecking it up. Hecking it up. Do you think that they paid those people back and fixed what they broke? Because I don't think that they are. Personally, I don't think that they would.
0: Just you wait, it gets worse, honey. It's about to get much worse. Also, do you have an aversion to the F word? (laughs) Oh, are you talking
1: about saying me, me saying hecking instead of fucking? Yes! <laughs> I don't. I just think hecking is funnier. <laughs> okay, okay, fair.
0: just wanted to make sure I wasn't, like, suddenly offending you. Like, you gave up the F word for Lent, except it's not Lent.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, I think it just has more comedic value to say hecking, because it's not a
0: verb. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. Um, anything else before we get into the next horrible thing?
1: I don't think so. I just want everyone to know that my anxiety is high. I don't know anything about cars, and I don't care to find out. Period.
0: (laughs) I feel feel the exact same way. All right, I'm just going to read the last sentence from the last section, and then keep going. We're changing cars under the next overpass, I warn them. Alice assigned our roles in a trilling voice, the words flowing faster than the speed of a hummingbird's wings. Carlyle dug through his bag. Emmett flexed, flexed unconsciously. I overtook the white SUV, hating the necessity of slowing down to pace it. Every second I lost, Bella would pay for in pain. Against all my instincts, I shifted down to fourth gear. The BMW motorcycle sped out of reach. I repressed a sigh. The overpass was half a mile ahead. The shadow that it threw was only 53 feet long. The sun was almost directly above us now. I started to crowd the Cayenne toward the left. She changed lanes. I followed quickly, then straddled the lane line so that I was halfway into hers. She started to slow, and so did I. Alice helped me time it. I pulled slightly ahead of the cayenne and then steered left again, forcing my way into her lane while decelerating sharply. The driver slammed on the brakes. Just behind us, the Corvette I considered before swerved into another lane, laying on the horn as he passed. The whole traffic amoeba lurched to the right as one to avoid us. We came to a full stop in the last 10 feet of shade. All of us exited simultaneously. Curious faces flew by us at 70 miles per hour. The driver of the Cayenne was climbing out of her car, too, her face in a scowl and her ponytail swinging with rage. Carlyle darted forward to meet her. She had one second to react to the fact that the most handsome man she'd ever seen was responsible for running her off the road, and then she was collapsing into him. She probably hadn't even had time to feel the prick of the needle. Carlisle carefully laid her unconscious body onto the raised concrete shelf beside the shoulder. I took the driver's seat. It's so hard to keep reading. <laughs> I know the page is making right now. Okay. I took the driver's seat. Jealous and... A- jealous... <laughs> Alice and Asper, (laughs) Asper, I'm so dead. (laughs) Jasper and Alice were already in the back. Alice had the door open for Emmett. He was crouched beside the STI, his eyes on Alice, waiting for her command. Alice watched the traffic racing toward us for the moment of least damage. Now, she cried. Emmett flipped the gaudy STI into the oncoming traffic. It rolled into the second and third lanes from the right. A prolonged series of crunches began as car after car slammed on the brakes and then slammed into the car in front of them anyway. Airbags popped loudly from the dashboards. Alice saw injuries, but no fatalities. The police, already racing after us, were only seconds away. The sounds faded. Carlisle and Emmett were in their seats and I was racing forward again, desperate to make up for the seconds we'd lost here. The tracker loomed over Bella. His fingers stroked her cheek. It was only seconds away. 165. On the other side of the divided highway, four patrol cars screamed in the other direction, headed for our accident. They paid no attention to the soccer mom SUV speeding speeding north. Only two more exits, 180. I couldn't feel any strain in the SUV, but I knew the danger now lay not in engine failure. It would would take a lot to compromise this German-built tank, but in the integrity of the tires. They weren't manufactured for this kind of speed. I couldn't risk blowing any of them, but it was physically painful to ease my foot back from the gas pedal. 160. Our exit was racing toward us. I whipped around a semi and swerved to the right. Alice showed me the setup. An intersection spanned the length of the overpass. At the top of this exit, a street light was just turning yellow. In one second, the west side of the intersection would get a green arrow, and two lanes of vehicles would cross the middle of the road. Silently urging the tires to hold themselves together, I mashed down the accelerator. 170. We shot up the exit on the narrow left shoulder, passing within inches of the car stopped for the light. I careened to the left under the now red light, the back of the SUV drifting out to the right as I narrowly made the turn, almost touching the concrete barrier on the north side of the overpass. The cars headed to the on-ramp were already halfway across the intersection. There was nothing to do but hold my course steady. I bolted past the Lexus, leading the charge with not an inch to spare. Cactus Road wasn't as helpful as the freeway, only two lanes with dozens of residential roads and even some driveways opening into it. Four lights between us and the mirrored room. Alice saw that we would hit two of them on red. A speed limit sign, 40 miles an hour, flew by. 120. The road gave me one small advantage. A suicide lane edged by bright yellow lines ran right down the middle of almost its entire length. Bella was crawling across the pine floorboards. The tracker raised his foot. Alice refocused, but my mind veered. For a tenth of a second, I was back in my Volvo and Forks, thinking of ways to kill myself. Emmett would never. But maybe Jasper. He alone could feel what I felt. Maybe he would want to end my life just to escape that pain. But probably he would run away instead. He wouldn't want to hurt Alice. So that left the longer trip to Italy. Jasper reached forward to touch his fingertips to the back of my neck. It felt like novocaine washing over my anguish. I tore down the center lane uninterrupted for a mile, veering back into the legal lanes to fly under the first green light. The next intersection rushed towards me. The suicide lane trans- transitioned to a left-turn lane, with three cars already lined up and waiting. The right-turn lane was mostly empty. I was able to avoid the motorcycle in it by popping up onto the sidewalk for a second, fighting to keep the SUV from rolling. I glanced at the speedometer. 80. Unacceptable. I darted through the light cross-traffic. Fortunately, a few drivers had seen me coming and lurched to a stop halfway through the intersection and reclaimed the suicide lane. 100. The coming intersection was bigger than the last, wider and twice as congested. Alice gave me every possi- possibility. In her head, the vehicles on the road froze. She spun them counterclockwise and then back again. I saw them stretching first vertically and then horizontally. The pattern was tight, but there were tiny holes. I memorized them. 120. If we clipped another car at this speed, both cars would be destroyed. We'd have no choice but to race out into the ble- blinding sunlight and bolt for Bella's location people would see something. None of the others were as fast as I was. I didn't know what the story would be. Aliens or demons or secret government weapons, but I did know that there would be a story. And then what? How would I save Bella when the immortal authorities came asking questions? I could not involve the Volturi, not unless I was too late. But Bella was screaming. Jasper ramped up my Novocaine dosage. Numbness soaked through my skin and into my brain. I jammed my foot against the gas pedal and swerved into the oncoming lanes of traffic. There was just enough space to weave between the other cars. They were all moving so slowly compared to me that it felt like dodging around standing objects. 1.30. I snaked my way through the frozen intersection, crossing to the right side of the road as soon as it was clear. Nice. Emmett hissed. one hundred forty. The final light would be green, but Alice had different ideas. Turn left here, she said, showing me a narrow residential road behind the commercial area where the dance studio was located. The street was lined with towering eucalyptus trees, quivering leaves more silver than green. The spotty shade was almost enough for us to move through undetected. No one was outside. It was too hot. Slow down now. There's not enough. If he hears us, she dies. Unwillingly, I moved my foot to the brake pedal and started slowing. The angle for the turn was sharp enough that I would have rolled the SUV if I hadn't. I took the turn at only 60, slower, my jaw locked in place as I brake down to 40. Jasper, Alice hissed at top speed, her words nearly silent despite her fervor. You cut around the building and come through the front. The rest of us go through the back. Carlyle, get ready. Blood all over the shattered mirrors, pooling on the wooden floors. I pulled the cayenne into the shade of one of the soaring trees and parked with only the slightest sound of tires against loose stones on the pavement. An eight-block wall demarcated the border between residential and commercial. The opposite side of the road was edged with close-packed stuccoed houses, all with their shades down to keep the interiors cool. Moving in perfect synchronicity, yeah, moving in perfect synchronicity thanks to Jasper, we darted from the car, leaving every door slightly open so there would be no unnecessary noise. Traffic turned both north and west of the commercial building, surely it would cover any sounds we might make. Maybe a quarter of a second had passed. We surged over the wall, leaping far enough to avoid the bed of gravel at its base and landing almost silently on pavement. There was a small alley behind the building, a dumpster, a stack of plastic crates, and the emergency exit. I didn't hesitate. I could already see what was behind that door or what would be behind that door one second from now. I angled my body so there would be no mistakes, no tiny window the, trapper, the tracker could slip through, and then launch myself at the door. That's the end. I know, right? (laughs) Paige just has her face in her hands right now.
1: Cheese and rice. I, that first bit with the woman with the angry ponytail, that's who I am. My ponytail is angrily swinging right now.
0: They just left her on the fucking highway? Yeah, on the fucking, like, weird median thing. Laying there unconscious.
1: That goes against the Hippocratic Oath. Carlisle, I'm sorry, but you are getting disbarred. I don't know what it is for doctors. I think that's right. I don't know. Um, but that's not good. And then they just let the orange car just roll into traffic. I mean they said no No,
0: no they do not uh-huh. let the orange car roll into traffic and it throws it into traffic. But they allowed it to happen. That's all I'm saying. Is that it
1: wasn't like, wasn't like, oh, we're just going to leave it here and see what happens. It was purposefully done.
0: I know. That's what I'm saying. It's worse. Because Evan's like, I'm going to throw a car into more cars. And I love how Edward's like, Alice saw injuries, but no fatalities. I'm like, that doesn't make it okay. You could have like paralyzed people. You could have done all kinds of stuff.
1: I... This this further makes me think that they did not repay anyone for any damage they did. Because this is a lot of fucking damage they did. And then I do not like that he said, oh, the speed limit sign says 40 and I'm going 120. I'm picturing the roads where we grew up that the speed limit is 40. Yep. If someone was whipping down at 120 miles per hour... I might poop in my car. Like, that would scare me. Yes, at one point he goes up onto the fucking sidewalk. Didn't like that. I didn't like that. I really didn't. I... The dangers. I I feel like if Bella knew what they did, she would freak out. I mean, I'm sure she would be appreciative since they saved her life, but she is so low-key, and is so like, please don't do anything for me, like, do it for you guys. She would be mortified
0: hearing all of this. Yeah, I think that's why I never tell her. hmm Also, I am dead at how unbothered Emmett is. He literally is like, nice, at one of the like weird maneuvers that ever does.
1: Yeah. Also, I, I just remembered circling back, Carlisle drugged that woman. Mm-hmm. Thank God he had his medical bag for emergencies. Right. What else would they have done? Like, knocked her out? Like, hit her? I I was curious what was going to happen. I thought Carlisle was going to just, like, smooth talk her and be like, we need your car, ma'am. Because she was like, he's hot. And then he drugged her. That, okay, if the first part did not break the Hippocratic Oath, that is illegal. You cannot do that. You cannot administer drugs to someone without their consent.
0: Yeah, you also can't, like, steal cars, go this fast. Like, yeah, I mean, but yeah, the drugs are definitely the worst one.
1: That's true, too. Okay, you know who I am in this whole story, in this whole chapter?
0: Hmm. Ah. <laughs> That's Mila. Sorry,
1: Milo just says who. <laughs> um, I'm Franklin Johnson. I have j- just flown back into Arizona to Scottsdale or wherever they are. Um, Phoenix, and I, you know, I had to go on a stupid work trip. You know, I had to stay in a crappy hotel. The food was lame. I. I miss my cat at home or my snakes. I don't know. I, you know, I am just glad to finally be home. I go into the parking garage. Where is my orange and purple lava car? It has been stolen. And then I'm like, okay, uh, let me go contact the police. And then the police are like, um, yeah, about that. Your car is destroyed 5,800 miles away from here and caused an enormous pileup and many, many injuries. That just ruined my whole day.
0: <laughs> Poor Franklin. You know who I am in this? No. I'm Emily Lou, and I left 20 minutes late for work because I didn't want to go. And I am not close to the 25-car pileup that happened when a literal car got thrown into traffic, but I am behind it, and I'm getting later by the second.
1: I am Angry Ponytail waking up at 1 o'clock in the morning with no
0: car in the middle of a median on the highway. I mean, to be fair, the cops are gonna see her, but still...
1: I just kind of like the, the storyline that no one notices and she's just like
0: what? <laughs> Where am I? So terrifying. I feel so bad for her.
1: Yeah, she's she, I I hate that they've chosen her. She's done nothing to deserve this.
0: All she did was have a fast car. <sighs> yeah. She does have one of those stick figure things though so does she deserve it? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Emily killed me. <laughs> <laughs> Mila's like, I'm out of here. That was bullshit. <laughs> um, I mean, that's really all I had. Did you have anything else? Um, I don't think so. I.
1: The ending. Can I can we go into predictions now? What's the what's the next chapter?
0: We're doing two next week. And the first one's called Blood. And the second one is called Chores.
1: Okay. Blood is definitely the the climax. Them fighting, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, What I wanted to say leading into this, I think Jasper is going to be the one to do the, the deed. Because the way that it's framed, that Jasper is going in by himself and everyone else isn't, it makes me think that there was a very specific reason for that and now that i know that he is a very lethal person very deadly and warring i could one- i i my money is on jasper doing the the killing okay chores is well now we got to hide everything we got to do the cover up we got to burn the place down we got to we got to you had mentioned in twilight that when the story that they make up for Bella is that she fell down the stairs or something at the hotel, and you said that that part is particularly funny, so I feel like that's going to be in this part, because they have to, like, they have to make up a story and then plant the evidence to make that story believable. So, that's what's going to happen in chores, because it is a chore for them. They've done, they've saved the day, but now they I got to do the boring part.
0: Yes, definitely. Um, God damn it! I had a thought. Oh, were you glad that this is one that we did live? I just like this was the craziest chapter in Midnight Sun to me. Oh shit! Sorry, my phone rang. Um, <laughs> this was the craziest chapter in Midnight Sun to me because it's just all new information. Like it's not even information that Edward tells Bella later. It she doesn't tell her any of this. I think he tells her. I think he says, we stole a car, it was very fast, and that's it. It's also not
1: particularly rich with important information, but the information that is given made my blood pressure go up. Yes. Very high levels of anxiety and stress during this read.
0: Yes, but I loved your reaction, so I personally enjoyed it. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I'm glad I had someone here to help me through it.
0: Yeah, totally, totally. Um, update for the listeners and Paige, Mila was just, like, Blair witching. She was, like, facing the corner of the room, like, sniffing something, and I'm like, Mm-mm, we ain't doing that today. <laughs> no, ma'am. <laughs> okay, well, anyways, so, yeah, that's our show. So we have next week chapters 26 and 27, and then the following week we have two. And then the following week after that, we have the epilogue, and then we don't. Mm, 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 mm. Just stay tuned, people, because if I get one of these jobs I've been applying for, I have to move basically overnight. <laughs> so everything's up in the air right now. But the plan is to just stay on track and finish this book. So stick with us. I'm glad that you listened to this episode. Um, Paige, you want to do our socials? Oops, you She's tired of me. She's sick of hearing my own voice. I'm I'm sick of hearing my own voice too, so it's
1: fine. I have to be at the funeral home tomorrow at 8.30 in the morning, which means that I have to get up even earlier because that's that's the kind of job where I have to wear a, the full face because tomorrow I'm working a funeral. So I have to look very nice and do my hair and wear something nice. So it's like I got to get up orally tomorrow. So I'm already tired about it.
0: I'm sorry, yeah, we'll sign off here then also because Mila just started playing with her squeaky mouse and I looked over at her and she went, Rah! like fuck you, don't look at me.
1: <laughs> okay, well, very fast, you can uh, follow us on Instagram and Tumblr at Tuesdays are for Twilight. You can follow us on Twitter at Taftpod. You can donate to our patreon, which is at patreon.com slash Tuesdays Twilight, or also to get the same benefits and also know that you're helping those in need, you can donate to the move to higher ground movement, which is M W W dot M T H org, um, And you can also email us at Tuesdays are for twilight at gmail.com.
0: She nailed it folks. Um, last month, or I guess it was this month, we Paige and I after Patreon um, after Podbean fees from our patreon made a total of 137 a piece a dollar
1: 37 Woo! you know what i bought with mine i bet you can't guess what cheetos
0: ah! i have no idea what i bought with mine because i had bought like five plane tickets in the past week so it paid for one tenth of a minute on my plane <laughs> so there, there, you go. there you go
1: this is all because of you the listeners
0: yes we are so grateful um Paige, you got anything else before you sign off
1: don't forget fiber it is so important and it will change you if you are not getting your daily recommended dose of fiber i highly recommend taking a supplement it will change your life
0: that's all we got we'll see you next week for the next two chapters of midnight sun bye guys Bye.
1: Our amazing intro and outro music was performed by Danny Plowman and produced by Alberto Beltran. You can follow Danny at danimal6, and that's six the word, not six the number, danimal6 underscore on Instagram.